the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Remember, it's only when we walk through the valley of death with the Lord that we will not fear what's in the valley. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we are picking up where we left off in our last study in a message titled, When Our Soul Longs for More. Yes, the Psalms can bring comfort to our souls in every aspect of our lives. From crying out to God, just as we saw Jonah did, to testify of how good God is to the world around us, to repenting of our own sin, of our own lives. Consider another saint of the Old Testament that so embraced the Psalms. He embraced them heavily. His name was David. He actually authored 73 of the 150 Psalms. So he wrote almost half of the Psalms that we have recorded today. David is one of the greatest men in all the Bible. Yet his life is one that each and every one of us can totally relate to. Some might ask, but how, pastor, could I relate to David? He's one of the greatest individuals of the entire Bible. Isn't he the the greatest king that ever ruled over Israel? Isn't he the one that fought and killed Goliath the giant? and became the national hero of Israel, and you say that I could relate to him? And I say, yes, every single one of us could relate to him because he also came from humble beginnings. He was just a shepherd boy tending sheep. He grew up in a day with far fewer distractions than what we have here today, which gave David a lot of time to think about many things. That's why David wrote in Psalm 8. I can imagine David as this young shepherd boy sitting out there just taking care of a sheep with no light pollution and no sound pollution, just laying there in the pitch dark, looking up at the sky and just seeing like a a billion stars up there and they're, you know, falling stars going and just all of this. And where did his mind take him? He said in Psalm 8, staring up at the sky with awe. He says, when I consider the heavens, the moon and the stars as the work of your hands, God, then who are, who am I? Who are any of us as mere humans that you would even consider us, that you even give us the time of day? Like when you consider the 100 billion galaxies with 100 billion stars in each one, who knows what's all out there? And yet God is concerned with the minutest thing of your life. David's like, How can that even be? How can it be? Maybe you feel that same way. Who am I? I live in Los Angeles. I'm like a speck in this city. Do you know that the county of Los Angeles, Los Angeles County, has over 10 million people in it alone? Do you know that that's more people that's in the top 10 states that have the least amount of population in the United States? 
North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Maine, all the 10 states that have the least population. Just our county has more than 10 full states in all of America. There's a lot of people here. So it's easy for maybe you to say, who am I that you would consider me in the midst of all of these people here in Los Angeles? But yet the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame those things which are strong. Yes, God has chosen the foolish and the weak to confound the wise and the mighty. The word that God uses there for chosen in the original Greek language, it means that God has specifically chosen us. It wasn't by mistake. Each and every one of you, he's chosen you for his use, meaning God has purposely chosen the foolish to shame those who think they're wise. Remember the Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That word foolish in the Greek language comes from a Greek word, muron. And guess what English word we get out of that? Moron. Okay. So it could be translated also blockhead. And we, the morons and blockheads of the world, are here to shame, to dishonor, to bring low the wise and the skilled experts. That's what God wants to do with us. Yes, the blockheads will shame the skilled experts. And then he goes on to say in verse 27 that the weak, those who are feeble and inferior, how could God ever use me? You will shame and dishonor and bring low the mighty, those who are strong and valiant. That is, if you're willing to be used. And if you're not, you will never, ever see the glory of God happen in front of your eyes. You will never see you ever being used if you're not willing to say, here I am, Lord. Use little old me. David is a prime example of this. For shepherds were considered unclean in biblical days. They were considered untrustworthy. Nomads, gypsies, you could say. And David was a shepherd. At one point, the prophet Samuel was told to go to Jesse's house. Jesse was David's father. And he was to go there to anoint the next king of Israel, for King Saul had failed to listen to God. So King Saul was the first king of Israel. Now, when it first came about, Israel having a king... Samuel, the prophet said, excuse me, did you guys miss something here? God is your king. He is the one that rules over his people. They said, yeah, that's nice. But we want a king like all the other nations have. And he said, no, 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 no. You don't want that because they're going to tax you and tax you some more. Like this new bill that's going through now, $87 billion is set aside for the IRS to help tax who? The poor? No, they don't have any money. The rich? No, they got all the loopholes. It's the middle class. Yes, let's tax them some more. So it's like Samuel, the prophet, saying, you don't want a king. He's going to tax you. He's going to work your sons and your daughters. You don't want this. God is your king. They said, yeah, 
well, we want, a, we want a king anyway. God said, give them what they want. Give them what they want. So they found Saul. Now, the Bible says that Saul was head and shoulders above the rest. That means he was, he was tall. He was bigger than anyone. Look at him. What a prime specimen. See, he looked good on the outside. So they said, we want him. Isn't that how we all do? You look good on the outside, so it looks good to us. He completely disobeyed God. He didn't do what God wanted. He was a total, horrible king. So God says, I got to get him out of here. I want to raise up a king that's after my own heart. I want someone that will listen to me. I want someone that will be my man there. So Samuel listened to God, and he went to Jesse's house. When he walked in the door, he saw David's eldest brother, Eliab. Well, Eliab, again, was a prime specimen of a stud muffin, okay? He was ripped. He was tall. He was strong. Give me some duct tape. I'm ripping myself out here. So he was the man. So here's Samuel the prophet, who already fell once for the head and shoulders above the rest, falls again to the very same thing. We are so prone as individuals to only look on the outside. And so Eliab, he looked wonderful on the outside. He was the whole package, you could say. And it was easy for Samuel to only see what people like us still see today, the outside. If someone looks good, they must be good. If someone looks brave, well, they're probably brave. If someone looks beautiful, well, they must be a beautiful person, right? But God quickly reprimands Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says, do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees not as a man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the inside. What's inside of you? Oh, pastor, you don't want to know what's inside of me. Okay. But God takes that honesty and says, I can use your weakness. I'm just looking for your availability. Do we understand that whenever God asks us to do something, if you've ever been asked to do something that's overwhelming to you, don't you understand that God only gave you that opportunity because he's going to give you the power to do what he asked you to do? But if you never take a step forward and you never move forward and you never say, you know, I can do that, then you'll never know. And it's not that God can't use beautiful people that are ripped. He's just looking for anyone who's available. So it's not that he can't use a beautiful person. He can use anybody. He's just saying, will anyone come before me? That's why Isaiah the prophet said, you know, when he looked around and God says, I need, to, I need someone to serve me. And he looked around and said, well, you know, woe is me, but uh, I'm available. And God used him and used him mightily. Yes, God rejected David's older, tall, dark, and handsome brother named Eliab, along with David's seven older brothers. So it's like, he goes to Jesse, he said, well, you have another son here? And he brings him forward, he says, you know, God's like, uh, no. The next one, no. The next one, don't even think about it. No, 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 for seven brothers. Finally, Samuel's like, okay, Lord, I know you called me here to raise up the next king of Israel. I know that, but all of his sons here, you're telling me no. What? I don't get it here. What am I supposed to do? So he goes back to Jesse and says, don't you have any other sons? Well, we got the runt. He's out in the field. He still wets the bed. No, I didn't say that. But it's like he's just a little kid. He's out there taking care of the sheep. Samuel said, 
I don't care what it takes. You go get that boy and you bring him in. I'm not even going to sit down until I see his face. They go out there and they get David. Who knows how long it took? But he comes in. Yes, he was just a boy. Who knows? He was 12, 13, 14 years old. And God says, that's my man. Really? That's my man. So Samuel the prophet took off the oil, the lid, and he poured it on his head. He asked God's blessing on him, and he filled him with the Holy Spirit, which is so unique in the Old Testament because there was times that the Holy Spirit would come upon someone like Elijah when he stood on Mount Carmel, and he was pulling fire down from heaven. We stood on Mount Carmel. Regina, you remember that. And it's like he was against all the false prophets and the Holy Spirit came upon him, but then just kind of, you know, departed from him at times and would come and go. But with David, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Like it wasn't going to leave him. It made all the difference in the world. See, so there was only just onesie twosie that had the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he says, do you not know? Don't you understand? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. Every one of you has the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. So every one of us has the capability of doing everything God would ever ask us to do because the power is inside of each and every one of us. Well, not long after this, David came to give supplies to his older brothers. So again, he's just a boy. He's, you know, who knows, 13, 14 years old. And his dad says, hey, look, your older brothers are all in the battle against the Philistines. Take some bread and cheese to them on the front line of the battle. Well, David gets there to do this delivery boy doing his Amazon delivery routine and only to hear the insults of a Philistine warrior named Goliath. Goliath was their champion. He was a physical specimen of wonder. He was nine foot, six inches tall. Think about that. Me and my wife lived in this building downtown called Watermark. When we first moved here, a friend of ours loaned us an apartment there. And it was just right around the corner from the Staples Center. So one day I'm downstairs and Shaq Daddy's in the house. And it's like, you know, it's one thing when you're watching Shaq on TV playing basketball in the days that he was playing. And it's like when you see him, then, you know, he's bigger than everyone else, but he's also standing next to everyone who's 6'5", 6'6", 6'9", 6'10", and he's bigger than everyone. Well, when you're standing next to him, I run up the elevator. Well, I didn't run up the elevator. I got in the elevator. The elevator went up. Okay. Anyway, so I get my wife, go, Shaq's in the house. So I get my wife, we come back downstairs and we're standing in the hallway and Shaq walks by us. And we're just like, okay. Then my son gets in the elevator with them you know and so it's like all of this happens so when you see someone that big seven foot 325 pounds or whatever it depends on how many cheeseburgers he had that day but whatever but it's like there was Shaq huge now just imagine Goliath is two and a half feet taller than Shaq and you he's not some beanpole this man's a man he's ripped he's just a just an odd freak of nature And all of a sudden, he's mocking God. He's trash-talking the enemies, you know. uh, He's trash-talking the armies of the living God. And, and, And God's people, looking at this guy, they're frozen in fear. Let me ask you here today, 
Have you ever been frozen in fear? Have you ever had the anxiety coupled with panic just enter your life? It's easy to happen in this unstable world that we're living in here today. But David, as this young teenager, he didn't just see Goliath the giant. He saw a man that was condemning God's people and mocking his God. And now, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, he went down to the field for battle to remove Goliath of his head. Now, one thing I love about going to Israel is going to Israel. (laughs) It's just awesome to be there. Like, wow. You know, when you're there, it's like, well, did Jesus stand right here or did he stand right here? I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. And, but they built edifices everywhere you go. Like on the Mount of Beatitudes, there's this big Catholic church they built in this whole thing. It costs money to get in and, you know, to go to the, Be- the Mount of Beatitudes. Well, when Jesus was there, it was just a hillside and he was just preaching on the hillside. They give the Beatitudes. But they built all these edifices. One of the cool things about going to the Valley of Elah It's just raw. It's just the way it was. There's a field, a little tree line over there, and you can just imagine all the Philistine army is all over there. Then there's a little brook here, and then there's a hill right here, and all the armies of Israel on this hill. And there's this little valley, the Valley of Elah. And Goliath would come out every day for over a month. You armies of God, you're all a bunch of weasels. Why don't one of you come down and fight me? You're all a bunch of worms. He's like, your God is nothing. Our God is great. You're nothing. And David overhears this. He says, I'll go down and shut him up. And Eliab, his older brother, says, you know, you're just a little punk kid. Why are you coming out here to see the battle? Get out of here. He's like, well, I'm just saying this guy shouldn't be running his mouth to our God. So he says, I'll take care of it. And he goes down. He gets a couple of smooth stones, actually five in number, but he only needed one of them. And he goes out on the battlefield. And Goliath is just so angry, like, what? I've been coming out here for over a month, challenging you to send down your greatest warrior against me, and you send this little punk kid down here? I'm going to feed you to the birds. And David's like, well, actually, sir, I'm going to feed you and your entire army to the birds. And he runs at Goliath with a sling and lets the rock go. Now, I'm sure that at that point, God took that stone and sped it up maybe two or 3,000 miles an hour. And it hit Goliath in the center of his head. And boom, he was dead. I mean, it wasn't a long fight. It was like 1.2 seconds. It's, it's over. Like, hey, did I pay for the fight? It's like, you know, paying for some fight. And the champ goes out there and knocks the guy out in the first second of the round. You're like, hey, wait a minute. I got ripped off. I paid 50 bucks. I have pay for you on this thing. Okay. So it's like it was over. Then David picks up Goliath's sword and chops his head off and raises it up. How about that? And the craziest thing happened. The entire army of the Philistines, they were filled with fear. They said, if a little kid can do this to our champion, what is your army going to do to us? We're all going to die. And they turned around and they started running. But another thing was happening simultaneously at the same time. The armies of God said, look what our God has done, even through this little boy. God has given us his victory. And they chased down the Philistines and killed every one of them. 
So it's like God can do this great thing, proving that God can take the weak things of the world, a little boy like David, and crush the strong and mighty. That was what gave David the ability of writing Psalm 23 where he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Why? Because he's been in the valley. He's been in the shadows. He's been in the impossible situations, and he's seen God deliver him. Remember, it's only when we walk through the valley of death with the Lord that we will not fear what's in the valley. Proving once again, if we fear God, we will fear nothing else. If we do not fear God, we will fear everything else. Yes, David became a champion that day in the eyes of God's people and would become the national hero of Israel. Only God can take a young shepherd boy and turn him into a giant slayer. Maybe that's why David said in Psalm 9, verse 1, I will give thanks to the Lord with all of my heart. I will tell of all of your wonders. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Why? Because you did the impossible with me. Who else are we going to give the praise to? This is why God wants to use us. Because then if it's all, when, when something crazy happens with us, it's like we can only give glory to the Lord because obviously it wasn't us, it was the Lord. Yes, David had a lot to be thankful for, and so do we. For even though we live in a broken world that's turned its back on the laws of God and has embraced sin while refusing to repent, we, as the children of God, if we repent, God will bless our lives. Like what we're told in Psalm chapter 3, verse 8. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be upon your people. Yes. David experienced the blessings of God throughout his life. Yet, that doesn't mean that his life was trouble-free. David had to endure attacks from surrounding enemies. But the Lord delivered David. Let me ask you, do you have any enemies? Or maybe I should say... Do you have any family members? (laughs) Family members that are against you? Do you have any people at work that they don't have your back, only to backstab you? Well, when we put on the Lord and we put the Lord first, then we can rejoice in the Lord because he will never leave us or forsake us. And we can embrace what David said in Psalm 18.1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. He's my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and my horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. David knew where to go. He would be attacked on the political side. He was attacked from the other nations around him. He was attacked from the people that he thought was his closest friends, backstabbers, people that would say to his face that, oh, we love you, king, and to his back were trying to undermine him. But the Lord always had his hand on David, and David knew it, and he says, you are my rock. You're my fortress. And when the Lord is our rock and our fortress, he becomes our refuge. And when our salvation is in the Lord, he becomes our stronghold. When we call upon the Lord, when his praises flows from our lips, that's when we are saved from our enemies. And sometimes our biggest enemy is ourself. David found that out. 
His biggest enemy was himself. When he fell to his own passions, it wasn't in a time of hardship and difficulty that he fell. No, it was actually quite the opposite. David was on top of his game when he crashed and burned. He had conquered all of his enemies. He had trained up an army of superior warriors, men that were loyal to him, men that would lay their lives down for him. He also gained much wealth, and he was leading Israel with much wisdom and, 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 and authority. And the whole nation was prospering because of this one man and his integrity. But it was in a time of rest. It was in a time of leisure that David fell from grace. I wonder if there's any here today that you've embraced what you know is wrong. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Poor Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.